he was. But this is never the point of the miracles. Miracles are not to get across the naked fact of Jesus' power, but the redemptive purpose of his power. In other words, every miracle has a point. Every miracle wants to teach us something about who Jesus is and what he came to do. And this is why when you look throughout the gospel, what, what do the miracles do? Every single miracle alleviates suffering, doesn't it? Every single miracle is an assault on disease and decay and poverty and death. All Jesus' miracles are meant to show us the world as it was meant to be. In fact, there's a, a scholar, he's a German scholar named Jürgen Moltmann. He said this, Jesus' miracles are not supernatural events in a natural world, but the only natural things in a world that is unnatural, demonized, and wounded. So in other words, miracles are not sus suspensions of the natural order. They are restorations of the natural order. All Jesus' miracles are meant to show us who he is and what he came to do. So what does this particular miracle want to teach us? What does this miracle teach us about who Jesus is and what he came to do? And uh, here's what I want to show you this morning. It's going to be a short sermon, hopefully, before communion. It's meant, I, I probably shouldn't say that. Um, it's meant to show us, number one, Jesus Christ is the great shepherd. Number two, we are needy sheep. And then finally, he provides for all of our needs. And so first, uh, this miracle shows us that Jesus is the good shepherd. And so uh, let's uh, begin in verse 30 and look at the context. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. And so the story opens, you remember the disciples were, Jesus sent them out and they uh, went around Galilee uh, doing ministry in Jesus' name. So they were out uh, casting out demons and healing the sick just like Jesus was. And after uh, getting done with their little missionary journey, they come back, and they're, you know, they're ready to do more. You know, let's go out and keep on doing uh, the work of Jesus. But Jesus says, no, stop. And he says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. And so Jesus is no slave driver. Uh, Jesus says, look, you've got to stop. You've got to recoup. I want you to get away to a desolate place and rest a while. And so he takes his disciples on a mini vacation. And so what do they do? Let's keep on going. It says in verse um, uh, 32, it says, they, they went away into, uh, in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and ran on foot from, where, from all the, the towns and got there ahead of them. And so here's the picture. Uh, they're on their way to their mini vacation. They're in the boat. They're going to a desolate place, which will become important later. Uh, they're they're going to get away with Jesus by themselves and rest. But then there's the crowd, and this crowd is this needy group of people, and they're going to head them off at the pass. Uh, they see where they're going, the crowd's going to go, and, and the crowd's going to meet them there when they get to this uh, deserted area. They get out of the boat, they see the disciples, and imagine the picture, you know. Imagine you've, you, you've planned a vacation from work. Uh, you're you're going to go to Hawaii or something like that. You get off the plane only to find your boss and all your coworkers. I mean, what a miserable vacation. You're not going to rest at all. And this is how the disciples, I'm sure, were feeling. And so they get off the boat. They see the crowd. Verse 34, when he went ashore, he saw the great crowd. And it says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And we'll stop there. 
So Jesus sees the crowd. I'm sure the disciples are angry. And how does Jesus feel? Jesus doesn't feel annoyed by the crowd. I think I would have been annoyed. Uh, Jesus doesn't feel bothered by the crowd. He doesn't feel put out by the crowd. It says what? It says Jesus had compassion on the crowd. And the word uh, compassion is an interesting Greek word. It's the Greek word uh, splegizomai. Splegizomai. Sounds Italian, doesn't it? Um, But you're like, no, I don't know what you're talking about, Brent. Um, This is a word that means gut-level feeling. Uh, It's almost like Jesus felt this in his bowels. Uh, uh, He felt it in his gut. He had a gut-level compassion when he saw the crowd. And what does this mean? This means that Jesus has a heart of a shepherd. It says he, he felt deeply for them. He saw their need, and he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Jesus, when he looks upon the crowds, when he looks upon people, how does he feel? He's not bothered. He's not annoyed. He feels compassion. He's a very good shepherd. Way better than I am. Because when I look at crowds, I get annoyed. I get angry, actually. And, uh, you know, when I moved to Batesville, it was good for my soul. Because I come from a big city, and, you know, I, I, you know whenever I'm on the freeway, I'm honking at people and getting frustrated with all the people. Uh, you know, I, there's Disneyland where I'm from. I'm, I'm from Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, you go to Disneyland, there's crowds everywhere, and they're pushing up against you, and I get so annoyed. But when I moved to Batesville, it was, it was good for my soul. Except for when, when I'm at the corner of Harrison and St. Louis. Then my blood starts to boil again. (laughs) Because this is the way I look at people. They're in the way, they put me out, they're annoying. But Jesus doesn't look at people like that. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is a compassionate, loving shepherd. But he's not just a shepherd, he's the shepherd. And here's what's important to see about this story. When it says that when Jesus looked at them and he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, this is a direct quote from the Old Testament. It goes way back to the book of Numbers, Numbers 27. And in Numbers 27, it's a story of Moses. And Moses was the first shepherd of Israel. And what did he do? He he led God's people out of slavery uh, in Egypt, and he led them into a desolate place. He led them into a wilderness. And here Jesus uh, does a miraculous feeding, but in the Old Testament, wasn't there another miraculous feeding in the desert? Do you remember the manna? You know, the people, they didn't have any food to eat, and so God sent uh, food down from heaven, and people looked at it and said, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. And so that's what they called it. That's what manna means. It means, what is it? And so they ate to their, their fill in the desert, and God fed them miraculously. And then Moses, at the very end of his life, God's first shepherd, he's dying, and he, and he looks to God, and he prays to God in Numbers 27, and he says, God, I'm dying, and I don't want your people to be sheep without a shepherd. And so he says, God, send somebody else, send somebody else who can take care of your people. And so Moses died, and who does God send after Moses? Anyone? Joshua, which in the Septuagint is Yeshua, or Jesus, And so uh, God sends uh, Joshua to be the next shepherd. And all the way through Israel's history, there is shepherd after shepherd. Uh, David is is one of the great shepherds of Israel. But God is always wanting a a shepherd, a compassionate person to lead his, his people. And they all pointed towards the Messiah. And one day the Messiah would come and he would be the ultimate shepherd. In fact, Isaiah 40 says this, Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, 
and his arm shall rule for him. This is speaking of the Messiah. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arm and carry them into his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And so as Jesus walks out into this desert place, as Jesus miraculously feeds these people in the desert, what is he saying? He's saying, I'm not just a shepherd, I am the shepherd. I am the one the Bible has been speaking about for millennia. I am the good shepherd. I am the one who has come to take care of God's flock. He is the good shepherd. In fact, he says this in John. At one point, Jesus stands up and he says, I am the good shepherd. And so in the Old Testament, when the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, ultimately he's speaking of Jesus. What is God doing in salvation? What is God doing in Jesus? He is sending you and me someone to shepherd our souls. And that's the first thing we learn from this miracle. But what is the second thing we learn? The second thing we learn is that we are needy sheep. Notice Jesus looks at the people and and he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. Now, uh, this, on the one hand, it means Jesus is the shepherd. He's come to take care of his people. But the corollary of this, the counterpoint to this, is that we all are needy sheep. We are sheep. I mean, when you look at the story, I mean, usually when you look at Bible stories, you identify with one of the characters. Um, I always identify with Jesus because that's the way I like to think of myself. But in the story, I'm just kidding. In the story, uh, I know, Charlie, I'm sorry. In the story, we're supposed to identify with the crowd. We are the needy sheep. Now, uh, I, would, I would wager that probably not many of us own sheep. Anybody own sheep in this room? Yeah, probably not many, not any of us. But, you know, usually when we think about sheep, we think of little, you know, little uh, uh, lambsy-wamsies, you know, and they're really cute and sweet and white and fluffy and, and beautiful and, uh, you know, we have this image of sheep, but, uh, you know, I did some reading on sheep this week, and uh, the picture of sheep that I got was not very flattering. Uh, there's this old book written by uh, Philip Killer, who's a, who's a minister who used to be a, a, a shepherd, and there's another book written by uh, another man, and he wrote this. His name is Douglas McMillan, and he says, sheep, a sheep is a stupid animal. Sheep lose their direction continually, as cats and dogs and other animals do not. In addition, sheep are extremely obstinate. Even when you, are, when you find the lost sheep, it is very difficult to round them up and to bring them home, unless you have a dog to scare them. The lost sheep runs to and fro, and when you find it, you must seize it, cast it down, tie its legs together, and put it over your shoulders to bring it home. And finally, sheep are not the clean, cuddly creatures they appear to be at a distance. On the contrary, they are subject to nasty pests and need to be regularly thrown into strong chemicals in order to rid them of lice, ticks, and worms. Behold the Bible's description of you and me. 400 times in the Bible, we are called sheep. And this (laughs) this is really not a compliment. Because what is the Bible saying? The Bible says that we are, we are aimless. The Bible says we are extremely dependent on our own. We're lost. 
It's saying that we're constantly going astray. We're constantly putting our, our hopes in the wrong thing. We're constantly doing uh, things that are bad for us. Uh, we're messy, we're dirty. I remember, uh, you know, last year we went to a farm and we actually saw a sheep and it had little things in its, in its, uh, in its wool. I mean, it was dirty, it was gross. And this is the way the Bible des- describes us. We are needy and we are extremely dependent. Now, this is a hum- humble way of thinking about yourself, isn't it? I mean, Jesus is the shepherd, but this also means that we are sheep. And the Bible says other things about us. It says that we're image of God. It says that we're fearfully, wonderfully made. It says that we're sons and daughters of God. It says it has good things to say, but it also says there's a sheepness about us. And we desperately need a shepherd. And some of you feel it this morning. Some of you, as you sit in the chair this morning, you, you feel aimless. You feel anxious. You keep on doing the same stupid thing again and again and again. And the Bible says it's because we are sheep. We desperately need a shepherd. On our own, we're hopeless. And as you look at the story, our dependence is is, uh, kind of pressed upon us as we look at the disciples and as we look at the crowd. Uh, You know, one of the main parts of the story is where Jesus uh, you know, the disciples are being taught by Jesus, and, and, uh, or the crowd is, and the disciples say, send the crowd away so that they could go get some food to eat. You know, put them out on their own. Let them get themselves something to eat. And Jesus says, no, I want you to feed them. What he's saying is, look, don't put them out on their own. Take care of them. These people are dependent. They're needy. And it's almost like a conference. You know, if you've ever been to a conference uh, you know, I've been to several, you know, conferences with, for ministers, and, and usually at a conference, I remember I went to one in Memphis uh, recently, you know, they go through the speakers, and then it gets to lunchtime, and it says, lunch on your own, right? And you go off, and you eat dinner, and you, or lunch, and you come back. And this is what the disciples are thinking. They're thinking, yes, you know, we're, we're out in the desert, we're having a conference, you know, and, and Jesus is speaking, you know, wonderful conference speaker, Jesus Christ, right? <laughs> you know, and then they come up with a perfectly reasonable solution, Send them out. It's time. Let them go. Let them fend for themselves. And Jesus says, no, I want you to take care of them. You see, we're dependent, we're sheep, we're needy. Do you know this about yourself? You know, one of the most basic things the gospel tells us is that we, that we go astray and we need Jesus Christ's grace. In fact, one of the only things you need to get into the door of Christianity is need. One of my favorite theologians used to say, all you need is need. You're a sheep. We don't like to think of ourselves like this. We like to think of ourselves as as people that can pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. You know, we're smart, we're capable, we have it together, we can do it. And Jesus looks at us and says, nope, you're sheep without a shepherd. And if you're ever going to make it in life, you need to come and look and depend upon me. Okay, so number one, the story teaches us what? That Jesus is what? The great shepherd. And number two, that we are sheep. We're needy sheep. We're desperate. We're dependent. We can't do anything on our own. Very flattering. But then finally, the story teaches us that Jesus Christ, as our shepherd, provides for our needs. Now, one of the main ways he does this in the passage is by what? By feeding the crowd. Uh, Miraculously, this is a miracle. You know, Jesus feeds the crowd. 
But even before he does that, I want you to see that Jesus is meeting needs all the way through the passage. And in the final point here, I want to give you four needs that Jesus meets for the people and for all of us. Number one, I want you to first see that Jesus meets our need for rest. Notice the story opened up by the disciples. You know, they're busy and they're, they're running around and Jesus looks at them and what does he say? He says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is looking at them and he's identifying their need for rest. He's saying, look, I know you're going to keep on going and going and going and going. You know, there's all sorts of things to do. But he says, you need to stop and you need to come away by yourselves. You need to come with me and you need to rest. That's the first thing Jesus does. And do you know that you need this? You know, Jesus is your shepherd. And many of you, especially if you're recovering Baptists, you think of Jesus up there with a whip saying, get to work, get to work, get to work. And Jesus says, look, there's a ri- amen. <laughs> there's a rhythm of work and rest. And he says, I'm your shepherd, and I will make you lie down in green pastures. And even if you don't want to, you cannot, even if you don't want to, he said, I'm going to make you stop. You cannot keep going and going. You're going to run out of gas. You know, if you wanted to drive from here to California and you thought to yourself, I will never stop. I'm just going to go all the way without stopping. Uh, I'm going to get there in, you know, 10 hours. I'm going to do it. What's going to happen? You're going to run out of gas. And this is the way you are emotionally and spiritually. You know, if you keep going and going and going, you're going to run out of energy and you're going to burn out. And Jesus says, your good shepherd says, look, I'm going to care for you just the way I care for the disciples. I know you better than you do. And I can see when you're running down. And Jesus looks at you, maybe he looks at you even today and says, you need to stop and you need to come away and you need to rest. He gives them rest. But second of all, notice he, he doesn't just give them rest, he gives them teaching. He gives them teaching. Now notice it says that when Jesus saw the crowds there, um, and he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, uh, you know, and he has compassion on them, he's feeling it in his gut. What is the first thing he does? It's not feed them physically. What is the first thing he does? It says that Jesus opened his mouth, and he began to teach them many things. And this is the second thing Jesus does for you as your shepherd. It's the second way that he provides for you. He gives you teaching. Do you know that you need to be taught by Jesus? Do you know that one of the ways Jesus shepherds you is through his word? This is why you need to come to church. I mean, one of the reasons, I mean, one of the reasons you need to come to church is because you need to hear the words of Jesus taught over you. You need to be guided and directed and you need to be pushed in in the right way through the word of God. You need his teaching. And this is also why you need to crack open your Bible. Because it is through God's word, it's through reading the scripture that that he speaks to you and he leads you and he gives you wisdom and direction. He's your shepherd and he shepherds you through his word. There's this old uh, passage in Deuteronomy 8.3 where uh, Jesus is, or God is talking to the people in the desert and he's about to feed them with with manna. But notice what God says, Deuteronomy 8.3. He says, and he, it says, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, 
but man lives by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Lord. There's one point in the Psalm, Psalm 119, where the psalmist says, I long for your, your word more than my necessary food. Now, many of us, we're not, we're not going to miss a meal. You know, we're eating uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but are you ever feeding on God's word? This is one of the ways Jesus shepherds you, by teaching you many things, and by opening up his mouth and giving you direction and wisdom and refreshing you as you pour over the scripture. You know, I'll be honest with you, the last uh, few weeks have been very difficult for me, and I've been dealing with uh, questions, and I've been feeling um, a lot of crazy emotions. And I've been feeling self-doubt, and I've been feeling like, what do I do? And, and lots of decisions we've had to make over the last few weeks as elders. And I remember there was one morning where I just felt this one thing just kept on going in my mind. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I opened up my Bible that morning. I was reading the Psalms, and it was a Psalm that said, everything's against me. That's how it started off. Everything's against me. And circumstances are against me, people are against me, you know, all these things, you know, the psalmist is saying this. But then the psalmist said, but I give myself to prayer. And I thought, God is shepherding me. He's telling me what to do. He's saying, Brent, give yourself to prayer. And if you're never cracking open your Bible, God is not going to lead you like that. And so you need to hear him speak to you many things. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is how he directs you. This is how he cares for you. This is how he provides for you. So he speaks to the crowd. And then finally, I want you to notice that he feeds the crowd. I mean, this is the most basic thing, but, but, one, but one of the most basic things that Jesus does as our shepherd is he provides for our physical needs. The Bible is not platonic. You know, the Platonist said that the spiritual you is good, the physical you was bad. And you need to feed the spiritual you, but you don't really need to take care of your body. That's not Christianity. Jesus, look at Jesus' life. He cared for physical needs. And he cares for your physical needs. And he's your provider. And he takes care of these people in the desert by simply feeding them with physical food. You know, in, in our world, uh, you know, you think about bread. What do you think about when you think about bread? I don't know about you, but I think carbohydrates. That's what I think. But in the ancient world, bread was life. I mean, when it came down to it, this is the essence. This is what you needed. And Jesus says, I am here as your provider. I will give you what you need. And some of us are way too spiritual. And we're praying for all of these theological abstractions. God, give me peace and joy and blah, blah, blah. And that's good. But do you ever pray for physical needs to be met? I had a friend in my, a few churches ago I was involved with. And he was a young guy and there was a testimony night. And this young guy stood up and he was praying, he was telling about how, he, how God did something in his life. That's what everybody was doing. He got up on the stage and he said, I was on a trip, and I was in um, New York City, and I had to get back to California, and there was a stopover in Texas. And he says, when we, when we got to the stopover, he said, I realized that I left my wallet in my bag, which was in the, you know, the luggage compartment of the airplane. He said, I had no money. I was starving. I, just, I was just so hungry. 
He says, I wasn't going to die, but I was super hungry. And so he said, I sat there in the airport, airport and I prayed for food. And he got on the airplane, and the guy next to him like, had some free uh, coupons or something and ordered all of this food, and he had an extra sandwich. And he said, hey, man, do you want a sandwich? And God provided a sandwich. And I think about that, and I think, why doesn't God ever answer my prayers like that? <laughs> it's because I'm praying for theological abstractions. Do you ever just pray for your needs? You know, when I was younger, I, I remember there was one point where I was lonely, and I've told you before I'm introverted, and I remember I, I just needed some friends, I needed some brothers, I needed a band of brothers, and I just simply sat down and prayed to God for friends. And what are your needs this morning? You know, Jesus said, look, God cares for the sparrows, and he knows your needs before you even ask for them. And don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Jesus Christ, your shepherd, wants to provide for your needs. Finally, the fourth need that he provides is himself. Jesus Christ in the story provides for our greatest need, which is a relationship with him. Now notice it says that he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. Does that remind you of something? Remember the last supper where Jesus sat with his disciples, he took the bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body. He blessed it, he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. What is he saying? He's saying, yes, I want to meet all of your needs, but the greatest need you have is for me. And you're anxious, and you're wandering, and you're aimless, and you're empty because you don't have me, a relationship with me. And how do we get a relationship with Jesus? Well, he must be broken in order that we might partake of him. You know, you think about the cross, and Jesus was up there suffering on the cross, and what did he do? Remember, he said, Father, forgive them. He blessed his enemies. And then he died. He broke. He blessed and he broke. And in order to feed you, Jesus has, I mean, think about bread. If the bread remains whole, you remain empty. But if you and take the bread, the bread is broken, and you're made whole. Jesus Christ was broken to meet your deepest need. And what you need most of all this morning is a relationship with God. 